Well, hey, everyone, and welcome to Venture. We're so honored that you would spend a little bit of time here with us. Maybe you could have picked anything else in the world to do today, but you picked to be here, and we believe that you're going to be blessed by it. My name is Blake. I have the honor and the privilege of serving on the team here at Venture at our Gulf Coast campus. And let me tell you all, man, God is moving on the Gulf Coast. He's doing some incredible things down there. We're seeing baptisms after baptism, and God is just moving down there. And, and hey, I want to start off a little bit differently today. Can we do like a little, like, participation together. Can we be in this together? Is that okay? No matter where you're at, maybe you're online. I want you to look at your neighbor right now and say, today's a good day to have a good day. Today's a good day to have a good day. At all of our campuses, at all of our locations, even church online, go ahead and start saying it. Put it in the chat right now. Today is a day to have a good day. It's a good day to have a good day. Let me tell you why. Because over the past few weeks, we've been walking through what it means as a church to live an uncommon life and to have an impact for the kingdom of God, right? We've been talking about this maybe a couple of weeks ago, you joined us, maybe you've never joined us, you've picked the perfect week to do that. We talked a couple of weeks ago about the importance of inviting our friends and family into the journey of Jesus, right? To talk about that, what that looks like. We wanna bring people in to the trajectory that God has for them, both here at the church and in their own lives. And then last week, and Kyle, what an incredible message we heard from him as he talked about the importance of community. And that ultimately, right, a community is an investment in yourself when we start to get around other people. So today we're gonna to be looking at the third point and what we're passionate about here at Venture and how we're making ourselves available to, to making an impact for people for the kingdom of God. But before we dive into all that, I kinda of wanna share with you guys an observation that I've had, is that okay? An observation, this is over the past few you know, months and even over a year now, I've kinda of started seeing this and I, I guarantee that you have too. Have you guys noticed that it just seems that people that when we talk to them in conversations or whatever that may be, it just seems to be that there's a lack of purpose right now, a lack of meaning, a lack of calling in life. Maybe you yourself are feeling this way. You have no clue why you came, but you know that as soon as I said those words, you just feel like you don't have any purpose. It hits you right then and there. And you're just like, what in the world? Can I tell you, man, that that's, I, I felt that, I've seen that. And it's not just me, myself, or maybe not even just you. In fact, just a couple of weeks ago, Harvard put out a study that said that one of the greatest, most significant causes of modern day depression and anxiety in our culture is feelings of no purpose. Feeling like you have no purpose, no meaning, no calling, no, no anything. You're just kind of stumbling through life trying to find something. And can I tell you today, and the reason why we're in this available series is that we have the hope and the answer to that question. We have the hope for purpose. We have the answer to the purpose that God has for our lives. That's why we meet together. That's why we are here. That's why you are here today. Let me go ahead and answer that question for you. All of the hope, all of the purpose, all of the calling that you could ever find in your life is found in Jesus. It's the reason why we're here. It's the reason why he came and he lived a sinless life and he died on a cross and he rose again because he said in his word, I have come that you might have life and life to the fullest extent. Jesus gives it to us freely. His yoke is easy and his burden is light, he says. And so for many of us, as we're trying to figure out how do we work out that reality, it just, you know, we say, okay, God, I believe you when you say that, but I'm not seeing that in my life. Maybe it's because the expectation of what we think that is is different than what Jesus says it is. And so in Matthew chapter 16, that's where we're gonna be today, hanging out today, is I wanna kind of walk through this story because it's, it deals with the disciples. And the disciples are so funny, man. Like, they're just like us. They don't know what they're doing, right? They're just kind of following Jesus and being like, man, maybe this will work out. Like, I think it's gonna be good. You know, they're trying to answer questions when they get questions asked, and most of the time they're getting them wrong. I identify with that a lot. 
And so we're gonna be looking at this story in Matthew chapter 16 because the thing that I want us to see today is that when we look for purpose and calling in our life, it's not found the way we think it is and the way that culture tells us that it should be. But in fact, the kingdom of God is an upside down kingdom. And in his economy, it's a little bit different. And so let's go back a little bit. Join me in the first century. Like, let's hop back over into the first century as the disciples are following Jesus. They're about two and a half years into his ministry now. And so they've been with him for a while, right? They've eaten like the fish and they've, they've gone and they've been on the hillside and the mountaintops. They've seen Lazarus be raised from the dead, all of these things. And now they're about to go into Jerusalem for the very first time. But before they make that journey to Jerusalem, they are actually in this story at the very top, the very northern city that's mentioned in the gospels. It's called Caesarea Philippi. Caesarea Philippi, if you're a first century Jew, you do not want to go there. It is like the most idolatrous, sacred, like idol worshiping area of all the places. Like if I was a travel agent in the first century, I would not send my clients there because it's just crazy. And so it's funny to me that right before Jesus goes to do the thing that he does, right? He's saving the world. He decides to go up to Caesarea Philippi and the disciples are feeling good. Like, this is not just the most northern up city that they're in. They're like at the top of their game right now, or so they think. And so they're like, man, we've seen all this good stuff. And Jesus even turns around to Caesarea Philippi and asks them, he says, who do you say that I am? And Peter's like, yo, I got this. You are the Messiah, the son of God. And he's like, you're exactly right. I mean, the disciples think that they've got it. They're like, we, this is it. We're, and, but here's the thing. Their expectation was different. Their answer was right. Their purpose was right. Their expectation was different. Because the expectation, when, G, uh, when Peter said that Jesus was the Messiah, he was saying, hey, you're going to go down into Jerusalem. You're going to kick out the Romans. You're going to overthrow them. And then you're going to reign on the throne of your father, David. And we're all going to have really cushy chairs next to you. And actually, too, we're, we're actually arguing about who's going to be the greatest. And Jesus is in the way that only Jesus does. And I love this. And he says this to us today. Is he gives a different view of what that looks like. A little bit later in the chapter where we're gonna to be today, he looks at the disciples and he gives an upside down view of what they are about to experience. And it's something that he calls us to as well, that if we want to find purpose, it's found in this. Let's look at Matthew 16, verses 24 through 27. And then Jesus told his disciples, I love this. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the entire world yet loses his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? For the Son of Man is going to come with his angels in the glory of his Father, and then he will repay each person according to what he has done. Will you pray with me? Father, we love you. We pray that you would take this word today and minister it to our hearts, Lord, that we would understand that yours is a kingdom that is an upside down kingdom. It's not how we think that we receive purpose, but it's in the, in the way that you have shown us and you are giving us now. We pray that you be with us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. So to kind of explain the disciples a little bit, I kind of want to go back to a story that I had between my freshman and sophomore year of college, right? I was in this phase of where I was just ready to do something. Y'all ever get that way where you're just like, I just... Enough of the talk. I want to go do something. I want to be somebody. I want, I want to experience something good. I want to, to be someone. And so I just, there was in the Thad one day at Southern, there was a group there that was taking applications to go and be a part of a Christian camp that summer, a Christian summer camp. It's called Pine Cove. Phenomenal organization. And so I saw that and I was like, man, this could be my shot. I could be somebody here. They don't, they don't know me. They don't know Old Black. I could be somebody at this camp. So I signed up and I got the call back. And I remember where I was. I was at Danforth Chapel and I got the call and I answered and said, hello. And they were like, hey, this is so-and-so. And, you know, we, we want you to be a part of the summer camp. And I was like, of course you do. 
And so then they were like, yeah, for sure. Like, we, we want you to be the program director and the worship leader. And I was like, okay, the program director. Come on with that. So I literally thought this was my expectation going into this. All right, I get to be somebody now. I'm going to be the program director of this camp. I'm going to be a worship leader. We're going to be sitting up singing some kumbaya, and I'm going to be like telling other people what to do, and it's going to be nice. Then I get there, and I understand, and I start to realize, and I tell people this all the time, that Pine Cove was the best, worst time of my life because Pine Cove was phenomenal. And one thing that they are serious about is they are a serve-first organization. And what this means is the higher the title, the more menial the work. And so I find myself as the program director of this kids camp, this is for sixth, seventh, and eighth graders. And I find myself scrubbing on breakfast, lunch, and dinner, the plates. I was the main dishwasher of this camp. Breakfast, churros on Tuesday, refried beans on Wednesday. And there were sixth and seventh and eighth graders, so you can rest assured they were not happy plates. But there I was, scrubbing away. And I started to realize something that God is starting to, to rectify things in me. And that was a hard season that I needed to be broken down, just like Peter, where he had an expectation of what this kingdom was going to look like and who he was going to be in the kingdom. Jesus took that summer and he started to show me that if I was to follow after him, I needed to deny myself and follow after him. It was a hard summer, man. I like got pneumonia as a worship leader. I started, I broke a rib. I had to get stitches in my knee. I'm still hobbling because of that summer. But man, God moved in me and he did something in me. And this is one thing that I learned at Pine Cove is that for the God, in God's kingdom, we find our truest value. We find our truest purpose and fulfillment, not in what we get, not in what we receive, but in what we give. And this is what we learn. And this is what God's kingdom is all about. If you want purpose in your life, start to give. Start to give of yourself. Start to give so much of yourself that you don't know what to do with yourself because God starts to move in that. How does he do it? And what happens? What happens with our purpose? If our purpose is going to be service in this life, then we'll see a few things. The first thing that we'll see is that we, our purpose and service, man, it leaves a God-sized impression in people's lives. I love this because this is what Jesus was all about. Jesus in his ministry, when he was here on this earth, did one thing in all of his miracles, when he gave sight to the blind, when he fed the 5,000, it was all for the purpose of one thing, and we see it in Philippians 2, to the glory of God the Father. He was trying to show everyone who the Father was. In fact, in John chapter 14, he says this, verses 6 and 7, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. And then he says this in verse seven, if you had known me, then you would have known my father also. From now on, you do know him and you have seen him. This is what Jesus is saying. He's saying, I have come so that I can leave a God-sized impression on your life. Not an impression of me, not an impression of who I am, but an impression of God. And now we're really passionate about impressions here at Venture. We talk about it all the time. We say impress through service. We want to be passionate about that, but this isn't like an like a impression that you would think of in, in our culture, right? This isn't like me trying to impress Lauren's parents the first time that I met them kind of deal. This is a biblical word for impression. It means topas. It means to leave a mark, to leave an impression. Have you guys ever seen with letters that sometimes that when the king would write a letter, he'd fold it down, he'd pour wax on it, and then he had that big old ring right there where he'd press the ring down into the wax? That's the kind of impression it's talking about right there is to leave an impression that is so obvious of what it came from, that you knew who it was from. And I love that because he's calling us to be the same way. Jesus in his ministry was all about leaving God-sized impressions, and we are as well. 
He's calling us to leave a God-sized impression in someone's life, to be that wax that the impression goes into, say, hey, this is from someone bigger than myself. This isn't about me, this is about who God is. And when they open it, this is what I love, when they open that letter, all the weight and authority of the king comes through that letter to whatever destination it was headed to. Can I tell you something today? That when God opens up your life and you begin to serve, all the weight and the authority of the kingdom of God comes through your life to serve others. And you leave a God-sized impression on their life. But you may be saying to yourself, like, that sounds great, I love what you're saying, you know, the whole kingdom thing, and that's really cool, but how? How does that happen in my life? It happens through spiritual gifts. You may not know this, but in 1 Corinthians and in Romans and all these different places Craig mentioned it earlier today, he said that we all have spiritual gifts that God has given us, has infused into us to use for the kingdom of God. You have a spiritual gift, something that God has placed inside of you that only you can do something that he is calling out of you. This is where your purpose is found, is to use that spiritual gift to leave a God-sized impression on someone, on someone else. Adventure, we're passionate about this. We are passionate about equipping you, and our goal is to equip every person in our church to impress the love of Jesus into their friends and family through service. We wanna make it easy for you, so it's simple. How do you do it? Attend your adventure. Your adventure was created for this very purpose so that you could identify your spiritual gifts and begin using them in the service of the kingdom of God and begin making a lasting God-sized impression on someone's life. This is what it's all about. It happens at, at 10 a.m., at the end of the 10 a.m. experience on Sundays, we're making it in such a way, packaging it up in a way that you can take it throughout the week, but we want you, and our, our goal is that you would be equipped in your spiritual gifts because when you are, man, just like when that letter is opened, all of the authority and the weight of the kingdom comes through you. But here's the cool thing about it is Jesus didn't just leave a God-sized impression on people's lives. It wasn't like he just walked away and everybody's like, man, that's really cool, God is big. No, he made a lasting impact on people. This was part of Jesus's ministry all along. Every time that he encountered someone, he'd left them in a state of awe and wonder at God and in a way of their life was forever changed. Our calling is the same. This is what Jesus says about his ministry in John, um, John uh, 13, 12 through 14. He says this, and this is the story of, of Jesus, right, where it was the Last Supper and the Passover Supper, where he had kind of gotten to this point of everybody thought, okay, he's the teacher, he needs to be served, and that's not what he did. He tied a towel around his waist, and he bent down, and he started washing his disciples' feet. And I can imagine it was pretty awkward for the disciples, pretty cringy at that point where they were having their feet washed by their teacher. This has never happened before. Normally, it's the other way around. But Jesus washed their feet. And then he stood up and he said this in John. He said, when he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, do you understand what I've done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash one another's feet as well. This is the ministry of our God. This is the ministry of our Lord and what he's called us into as well. You are uniquely equipped to do something that only you can do but it comes when we make an impact in the lives of others. This is a story that I like to tell, and this also happened at Pine Cove. There was a, as the program director, I was also in charge of the discipline for the sixth, seventh, and eighth graders, and to give them what they deserved. And so what I did was part of like, you know, you know with, with kids, and when, you're with, when they're there for two weeks, it, it, it always devolves down into throwing food at somebody, or like getting lost in the woods for four hours. We had one kid who took a pocket knife and punched a hole in a raft. I mean, it was crazy stuff. 
But there was this one time, whenever uh, one of these, you know, something would happen like this, the, the kids would come and we would be in charge of discipline. And there was a big hill with a gravel road going up to it and a big gravel pit down at the bottom. And we would always bring the kids in and be like, hey, there's a punishment for this crime. And this is the punishment. We would set down two five-gallon buckets. And we would say, these five-gallon buckets need to be filled with this gravel. And they need to be taken to the top of this hill. And those kids were like, What? They say, yeah, that's, that's the punishment for the crime. This is what needs to be done in order to atone, right, for this. And you could just imagine those kids, and they would bend down, and like they were slow as molasses as middle schoolers, taking one rock at a time in 110-degree Texas heat, putting these rocks in this bucket. And then they pick it up, because they were scrawny sixth graders, and try to walk up this hill. And they'd make it to the top, and they'd dump out those buckets. And I'll never forget their faces whenever they were walking down the hill for the first time. They were looking and their eyes were this big. They were as big as saucers. And they were, they were exasperated. They were exhausted. They were confused. And they were bewildered at what was happening to them. And they did not know if they could carry on. And this changed their life forever. It changed mine too. Whenever they got down to the hill for their second round, we said, hey, put those buckets down. There was a log right over there. And we said, go sit down on that log. And then me and the counselors of the kids, we took the buckets and we put the rocks in the bucket. We grabbed them and we took them up the hill a second, a third, a fourth, a fifth, a sixth, and a seventh time while the kids watched. And at the end of that seventh time when we were coming down the hill and our faces, we were just exhausted. We were sweaty. There was nothing left to us. We, we, we put the buckets down and we walked over to the logs and we said the same thing to those kids that, we said, that Jesus said when he washed his disciples' feet. We said, do you know why we did this? And their answer was always like, no, we, we don't know. It's because we said, because we knew that this was a punishment that you could not pay for. This was a price that was too steep for you to pay. And the punishment was too big for you to bear. And so we took it upon ourselves to do it for you. And the reason why we do that is because there was one who knew that there was a punishment that we could not, there was a punishment that we could not endure. And there was a price that we could not pay. And he paid it for us. And man, when that moment happened, I was, it, it forever changed their lives. I still get calls to this day from these kids that say, you remember that time where you sat me down on that log and you carried them rocks up that hill? Yeah, I do. I definitely remember that day. My life was forever changed that day. And I always tell them the same thing whenever they tell me that. You know what? So was mine. Because I was more in tune with the will of God and the purpose of God for my life in that moment than I ever was actually getting something. Whenever I make an impact on people's lives, I start to see what it's all about. Because here's the big thing. Not only do we leave a God-sized impression on someone's life, not only do we make a lasting impact, but ultimately what this thing is all about, the reason why we are here today is because our service builds an eternal significance. Whenever we're standing in the throne room of God and we're looking around and we're locking eyes with Jesus and we're giving him all of our praise and all of our glory and everything that we have to offer him and we just look down, I imagine myself looking down and looking over and seeing people on my right and on my left and saying, man, I remember that person's story. I remember how that person impacted my life for the kingdom of God. I remember how I was able to impact that person. That person is here because of an opportunity God gave me to share the gospel. I'm here because of that person. And we're all looking around because what we do today, what we do and say in this moment, when we walk out of here today, it will have an impact on eternity. It will. What you do and say today will have an impact on what eternity looks like in the future. Jesus says this himself in Matthew 16, 27. He says, 
For the Son of Man is going to come with his angels in the glory of his Father, and then he will repay each person according to what he has done. You see, here's the deal. When you're looking for purpose and calling in your life, service isn't what God wants from you. It's what he wants for you. And we've made it really easy for you to tie in and serve here at Venture. We want you to be a part of the service, the movement that God has called our church here to. We've created positions and teams and all of these things, not so that we can receive something from you, but so that you can use your spiritual gifts to go out and make an impact. Think about it. Every role that we have here as a church is not just about that role. When we have somebody out in the parking lot, the reason why we have parking team members is not just that they can wave and smile, but it's because when that person who's driving by the church and their wheels just so happen to turn into the church and they don't know why, that the first person that they see is gonna be waving at them, smiling at them and saying, hey, welcome to church, welcome home, you made it, that's half the battle. That's why we have people in guest services that are smiling, holding doors open. It's why we have leaders and why we need you as a leader to go and to teach our kids and not just babysit them, but to teach them about the things of God so that they can be raised up to engage a culture and change this world. They need you as leaders. Now we need people that are serving with our students. You couldn't pay me enough money to go back to high school. God is doing something in our students, y'all, and we need you to stand in the gap and to say, hey, I'm gonna advocate for you, I'm gonna fight for you, and I'm gonna be a part of this with you because you're not the next generation, you're the now generation, and you're gonna do something for the kingdom of God. We need your gifts. We need what you have. And so the question is today, what impact are you gonna make? What impact are you gonna make on someone's life? God's put someone in your life. God's put a ministry in your life to make an impact. There's one final thing that we learned about it. Pankov, and this was really the thing that turned everything around for me, and really when I started to understand what this life was all about and how we're supposed to gain purpose in our service. And it's centered around this chapter of scripture called Romans chapter 12, and we would study it all throughout that summer. And I started to understand that it was about more than just what I was getting, but it was about what I would give. And it was like the apostle Paul was just sitting there over a cup of coffee telling me how to live this life as a Christian. And I, I highly encourage you, go study it and learn it and read it because it will show you the keys to how do we walk out this faith? How do we find purpose? It's like Paul's just sitting across the table and talking to me and saying, hey, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. This is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone amongst you, not to think of yourselves more highly than you ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and those members don't all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who gives with generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts with charity, with cheerfulness. And let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good. Do not be slothful in zeal, but be fervent in spirit and serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who curse you. Bless and do not curse. Bless them and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep 
with those who weep. Live in harmony with each other. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. In fact, if, so far as it depends on you, live in peace with all. Right? Do not repay evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. And beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. Instead, to the contrary, and I love this part, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. For in doing so, you will heap burning coals upon his head. And this is how it all ties up together. And this is why I love our church and why I believe that God is going to change our communities in because of what is happening at this church. He wraps up the whole chapter and he says this, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Who is it that you need to impact in your life to not be overcome by evil? Because man, there's a lot of evil out there, right? There's a lot going on. But can I tell you something? Through the grace of God and his love and mercy of his son, Jesus Christ, he has infused this church with spiritual gifts to go out and to take ground for his kingdom. And we are going to go further, faster, and harder than we have ever gone before in service to others and to God because this is our time. This is our moment. And we need each and every one of us to activate the things that God has placed in our lives, to not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. We're going to leave a God-sized impression on people's lives. We're going to make an impact because there's going to be one day when each and every one of us are sitting around the throne of God saying, wasn't it good when we were able to find our purpose and what God had called us to? Will you pray with me? Father, we love you. We thank you for who you are, Lord. We thank you for this opportunity. Lord, we pray that in this moment that as we, we see that your kingdom is an upside-down kingdom, that it's not just something that we, we receive from, but it's something that we give into. God, I pray that we would take a next step that for somebody that's listening to my voice today would say, okay, it's my time. God, you've given me something I know that you have. And even though I may not see it in myself yet, I trust that you have given me something to go out and to serve with. And I want to find my purpose in you, Lord. I want to find my calling and my life to the fullest in you. I've tried every other way. I've tried everything else in the world. And now I'm laying it all down at your feet to give you the glory and the honor and the praise forever and ever. We love you, Lord. We thank you for Jesus. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us for the Venture Church podcast. To find a campus near you, check out venturechurch.org.